This interview is brought to you by our friends at 78 Sports. As coaches, all we really want to do is coach. We don't want to waste time searching around with a bunch of different companies trying to order new equipment, get our fields ready, or make sure our facilities are fully stocked. That's just too big of a hassle and takes way too long. That's where 78 Sports comes in. Whether it's replacing L-screens, putting in new batting cages, or even designing a new indoor facility, 78 Sports has you covered. They are a full-service design, supply, and installation company, so you only need to make one call. As an exclusive offer for our podcast listeners, 78 Sports is offering special pricing on your order when you mention Ahead of the Curve. Give them a call today at 844-478-TURF to get your order started. You can also check them out on their website at www.78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number 8, sports.com. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. If you're a coach and you're looking for a resource to help you get better, then Stick and Ball is just for you. With weekly updated videos from some of the best baseball and softball coaches in the country, it's a no-brainer. Check them out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. On today's show, we have on Jay Olman, hitting an infield coach for Tulane University. A veteran with over 25 years of experience as both an assistant and head coach, Jay begins his third season on Travis Jewett's staff this spring. Ullman arrived at Tulane after he spent the previous eight seasons as a member of the University of Oregon staff, where he was the associate head coach for the last three seasons. So on the show, we go over some of Tulane's highlights from this fall. We go over what they're doing to prepare for the season, and Jay gives us some insight on how we can develop in season. Here is Jay Ullman. Jay, welcome to the show. Jonathan, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, man. Oh, I'm, I'm excited too. And I, I love the indoor. I love that, you know, you being a hitting guy, you have to do it in the indoor, right? I mean, I, I love that. I, I, I should do that more often. I'm here in the baby room. But you've got a much better backdrop than I do. Yeah, it's, it's where, uh, where the real work is done for sure. No doubt, no doubt. So let's uh, let's go over some, just some highlights from you guys this fall. And uh, for the listeners, they got the intro to you. Uh, you're in Oregon for a long time, and you've been at Tulane for the last couple of years. And we just finished the fall, and so you guys are getting ready to ramp up for uh, for the spring when when the rubber hits the road. So if we could rewind a little bit, I'd like to go just over some highlights. I know that most guests that are listening are going to be in their season right now. But what were some different things that you really enjoyed this fall that you guys did that you wouldn't mind sharing with us? Well, just as kind of a general recap, but, uh, you know, it was a it was a great fall. I thought we infused the program with a lot of young talent uh, and with other young talent. So we had, you know, some freshman All-American last year. Uh, we had some JUCO guys. And, and so to be able to bring in uh, a lot of talented newcomers definitely was uh, something that the the infusion of that energy uh, and talent uh, was needed. You know, when I first got here, um, we were pretty deep in the pitching staff and we were pretty thin in the position player. So one of the things that I really tried to do uh, in hitting the road recruiting was try to balance that out some more, not not take from Coach Latham and um, reduce his army down in the bullpen, but just to make sure like we could actually have a full uh, scrimmage and not have to borrow uh, an infielder or two to plug the gaps uh, on empty sides uh, of other, other other scrimmage teams. So I uh, feel really good about where that's at and the, uh, and the level of talent there. So just a really good fall overall. Uh, I thought offensively, um, a lot of real bright spots. A lot of the older guys came back in great shape. Uh, Luis Avilas uh, for sure would would come to mind. Bennett Lee. Um, you know, so we, we've uh, we've got some good bats in the middle of the lineup and, and really one through nine that we feel really good about. And, you know, and, and then the pitching side of that, certainly when you're replacing three starters and a closer uh, from last year's team uh, that uh, had some success and, you know, not ultimate success of getting in the postseason and have an opportunity, um, you know, to get hot and, and really run it deep into into June, we didn't have that kind of uh, success, but uh, just in terms of the upward trajectory uh, of the program, 
we certainly had that. And so when you're trying to replace, you know, four really good arms, there's always going to be unknown. So the first thing you can point to is uh, a, a perceived weakness in terms of um, pitching, but we don't see it that way. You know, we've got uh, Tyler Hoffman back, who's uh, really transitioned himself, uh, you know, 94, 97 uh, with, a, with a real outpitch breaking ball and a developing changeup that's uh, becoming a real threat. Uh, real happy with his development. And, you know, we landed a kid, Dylan Carmouche, uh, who's an in-state kid but was at Mississippi State last year. We actually got to face him uh, last year when he was at Mississippi State. So getting him in here to, you know, get a starter-type uh, guy, over the summer was really big for us. You know, we got a, another kid, grad transfer, Carter Robinson, who we feel like, you know, he's got a track record and pedigree. He's, he was a Sunday guy for uh, ULL. Uh, and so we feel like we know what we're going to get there. A good veteran presence that uh, knows how to throw strikes and, you know, manage a game from the mound. So, uh, and there, there's a lot of others. Um, but, um, you know, I just think just in general, I feel like we're, we're in a really good place after the fall. And then we start officially tomorrow, just like everybody else. And so we're all ramping up for that and real excited about uh, getting going uh, on that journey. No, I love that. And I love hearing, you know, what, what you guys are, are focusing on this fall. And, and it sounds like you got some new guys in. So I'm curious, too, you know, you, you get a, a limited time with those guys this fall. And I'm sure you do have to do your homework ahead of time. <laughs> But what are some different things you do when evaluate? And you went into recruiting on on Patrick Jones's podcast, and I definitely encourage uh, listeners to go listen to that one as well. But I want to know, like, how are you evaluating your own players and understanding? Okay, we've got a limited time this fall, and so we want to make sure that they're getting the most out of it. But we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to help them to continue to get better, but not they're here for a reason. So how do you balance that? And then just walk us through your evaluation process with, with your own players. Sure. So I, I think with, with our guys, um, you know, I think we really try to focus in on uh, the fundamental pieces, um, the strike throwing, the, uh, the catch playing, uh, the putting the ball in play and, you know, just kind of the simple fundamental parts. But, you know, at the end of the day, they, they're going to be responsible for their development and, and we're going to be along that ride and that journey. Uh, and we're here to help. Uh, and, and we love doing that. That's, that's why we're here. Um, but I think as they progress each day, each week, each month, as we get the needle gets closer uh, to February 18th, they're developing a level of trust, not only with how we feel about them and what they do, uh, how they go about their business, um, in a mature way or an immature way, <clears throat> um, they're developing that with us and what we can count on and rely on. Um, but they're also doing that with their teammates. Um, I think their teammates certainly understand what kind of player they are, uh, what kind of uh, person they are. Can they be counted on? Um, and, and the players see those kinds of things. So really, they're trying to develop that trust level that when they go out either on the mound or in the box, that that level of focus, concentration, productivity. Now, it doesn't always mean I'm going to get a hit or I'm going to strike the guy out, but like, you know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, it's not going to be, uh, take a pitcher, for instance, it's not, you know, it's not going to be ball one, ball two, ball three, strike one, strike two, ball four, one day. And then the next day it's dial a pitch and it's, you know, oh, two and bouncing the breaker and elevating the fastball for strike three. And like, things are great. And Jekyll and Hyde, um, you know, those, those things do happen. And, uh, that is part of uh, the process of becoming a, a, a young player into a, um, a mature player. And, and so we've kind of got um, uh, a smorgasbord of those kinds of, of players that are in certain stages with where they're at in their development. And so I think um, the thing that you always find is that the young guys always kind of go backwards before they go forward. You know, it's the old two steps back, one step forward, uh, no matter how talented they are everything's new, you know, the educational components new, they're moving to a new city at, in most uh, instances. Uh, they're, they're, they've got new roommates, mom and dad on around to corral them and uh, point them in a direction. Uh, they've got to learn a new system, whether it's signs or language, you know, they could, um, you know, be used to a, a certain way. And, and now the game feels a little bit foreign or the bases seem a little longer or uh, it, it's in, in reality, it's not that the game changes. It's just that the demands on what they're being asked to do, whether it's off the field or on the field, 
have changed. And so that learning process oftentimes stunts growth and, and creates some roadblocks that uh, fighters have to get through. And so um, a lot of times the, the young guys don't see the fruits of those labors um, and can't see the forest through the trees until, you know, the season kind of gets going and, and everything kind of settles in and they start to get a, a, a feel for the ebb and the flow of how everything works, you know, how class works during the season, uh, how travel works, you know, uh, I, they've never been to uh, our conference opponents fields, you know, so even at the end of the year, although by the end of the year, freshmen are not really freshmen anymore, there's still new things that are presented, presented on their plates. Um, and, and so, you know, you only get that by experience. And so where you got the guys, on the experienced end of that, they've been on bus trips, they've been in the plane, they've, you know, they've been in a travel suit. Um, you know, they know what a full day on the road looks like and that, yeah, I probably can't stay up till 1am, uh, on the road cause it's an earlier wake up call and we've got breakfast and just, and things change. The demands change. Mom and dad are on the road maybe, and they're there and you got family and friends and, they got, you got to leave tickets and you want to go to the house and, you know, hang out with your family before you, the bus leaves or just just things that that are different that they're not used to. And, and so those those kind of things tend to get in the way, like I said, whereas you have the veteran guys who kind of have a feel for that. And so they kind of get the head start. They they're more knowing, as uh, Coach Jewett likes to say. So typically their trust level. Uh, from our perspective towards them is usually greater because uh, they've had that been there, done that kind of thing. No doubt. I, I love hearing that. And uh, you know, it's whenever we change it, it definitely sets us like you, like you mentioned, sets us back just so we can make sure that we go through all of those things. And unless you've been through it, it's really hard to have experience in it. And so that's, that's interesting. Uh, to hear you know to hear you talk about that and and you know talking about especially the preseason that's coming up because you know it's I, I feel like I don't know if if college freshmen are like this but high school freshmen it's like once that first semester is over then you see a completely different kid because you've got you know four months under their belt and they're starting to mature and understand the processes of what it's like to be in whatever program they're at but I'd love to hear you know you said that you guys are getting after it tomorrow. What are you guys, you know, starting with and what are you guys trying to hit? And you've got like a month before now and then the start of the season. Yep. So really, what are the like that does not seem like a lot of time. So really, where are you guys putting the most important things and, and what are you doing? Yeah, never enough time. Right. I mean, it's right. you know, we're getting into that 20 hour phase a week. Uh, and so that part's exciting. But I think really for us, you know, getting them back, you uh, we were able to get them back on the 15th of January um, because we didn't have school until uh, this past week. We were able to have a little bit more time with them. And so we were able to really, you know, get their feet underneath them. And and kind of what I mean by that, I, I, I use my own experience um, just kind of as a, you know, a way for you to kind of understand what it's like as a, you know, uh, sometimes I think sometimes we forget what it's like to be a player, but I'll, I'll never forget it. You know, I, I had varying degrees of success um, in college baseball. And I can tell you this, you know, your coaches always tell you, man, when you go home for that break, don't just sit on that couch and, you know, eat that uh, holiday food and, um, you know, make sure you come back in shape. And, you know, like the young guys, like, yeah, yeah, I totally get it. I'll do that. And, um, you know, they, they do it, but they don't really commit to it, but it's just kind of, it's, you think you're working, but you're really, ultimately you're, you're not working where you should work. Uh, and so I, I did that. Uh, and then I did it a different way my last year where I'd like, you know, I had a whole list of routines and, you know, lifting and conditioning and, and I crushed it. Uh, and I felt like, man, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm ready to come back and I'm going to hit the ground running. And I would tell you uh, that no matter what you do uh, on the positive or negative side of that coming back, you're always going to be sore. You're not going to be in baseball shape, you know, um, thing that a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, baseball's a, it's a long day, you know, uh, you're, you're there three hours before the game. It's a three and a half, two and a half, four and a half, however, you know, there's no time clock. So it, it could be as long as it needs to be uh, to get an outcome, you know, and then it's post game. And, you know, so there's, it's a lot of hours on your feet and just out and about at, at the ballpark. So you're not really in that kind of shape when you go away and then come back. And so you're always going to, 
you're going to be sore. You're going to be tired. You're not going to be in playing shape. You got to get into baseball shape. And that's, that's what the, you know, four week phase leading up to, uh, you know, the, the first game really is all about is getting your, getting in shape and getting, uh, you know, the pitch count up and a lot of swings and a lot of reps mm -hmm. and knocking the dust off. Um, and so that's kind of, that's where we were at. Uh, and that's always, that's always a tough thing. Cause you just, you, as a coach, you're, you want them to go, you want them to be perfect. You want to be them to be in shape and all those kind of things. But in the back of your mind, at least in the back of mine, I always try to remember like, what was I like as a player? What was I doing as sure. a player? What was I feeling like? I get that. And so trying to have that understanding, but still push them to get them themselves in shape. And so those are, those are challenges that we all face. And, you know, hopefully uh, the guys that do the most, they're, they're, um, their ability to not be sore as long that that gap shrinks, but the guy who didn't do as much, he's going to have a longer gap to shrink, to get back into shape. And so, you know, that's all going to be dependent on each player and, and what they do sure. and, and how their bodies are. But, you know, <clears throat> to, to your question about what we were doing, what we're doing is just trying to get their swings back, you know, knocking off the dust, you know, getting velo training going and, uh, speed mix front toss with short bats and uh, pitch and plan stuff and hitting machines and hitting shapes and trying to change uh, their timing and their rhythm by, you know, three plate fastballs or even three, three plate long arm, uh, regular BP arm, uh, you know, uh, and having a, you know, have them hit two from the back, two from the middle, one from the front and just have them kind of alternating and, mm -hmm. and changing their spatial awareness and making, you know, pitches get taller, the closer they get and, uh, shorter, you know, the further, further they go back, but, you know, seeing shapes and, um, just, just getting their eyes back, uh, in shape really, uh, and, and their, and their swings and their balance, um, is really kind of where we're at. Like yesterday or last couple days, it's, uh, it's been cold by Southern standards. Uh, I've, I've coached in two places that snow and rain were pretty prevalent this time of the year. So, mm. Uh, this kind of cold compared to that kind of cold is different. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we chose to, to come inside and really get in these three cages that we have and, and have different objectives. Um, you know, f for us yesterday, I'll just take yesterday for an example. We had, sure, do. yeah, we had, we had pitch plan in one cage. We had me on a three plate live arm. Uh, and then in the other cage, we had a, a hack attack junior on medium legs from a short distance and we have three plates always in that. Also, it was all hitting from the front. So we're velo training from a short distance uh, to where they got to sneak. Uh, they got to get in position uh, and they got to tighten everything up, get their turn, their, you know, stay tight to their turn, uh, have have good face angle and making sure their you know, their eyes are out to down. We talk about, you know, it's it's not tipping the head. It's not mm -hmm. chin up or leaking the front side. To, so the eyes are going away. We really hammered them on you know, uh, the principles of, of good vision, um, you know, cause it's easy to break down balance and feet and all those kind of things. But it, a lot of times, um, you know, the eyes and the chin are connected to everything we do with the body. So you're really focusing on that, but so the pitch plan thing for us, these machines we have behind us are awesome. They're, uh, eight programs, eight pitches per program. And, you know, so for instance, yesterday I had a, a left-handed uh, fastball, breaking ball, and a changeup program, eight pitches, some bounce, some were, you know, mid-level, some were his pitches down in the zone, some were, you know, in the penthouse, so to speak, uh, offensively. And so we would go in there uh, and guys would get two at bats and we'd start OO and they'd declare plan. I'm sitting fastball. Well, breaking ball shows up and it bounces. So instead of just going to like one oh, we call it first pitch worth two. So we automatically shift if it's if it's a ball, it's now two oh. If he was sitting breaking ball and it was a heater right down the middle, that strike we certainly wouldn't want to swing when we're slow rhythm timing. Uh, and then the guy shows up with a fastball, we're just gonna go ahead and take that. So in that instance, he would go oh two. And so now the now the objectives and the plans all change. And so just mm -hmm. a nice way to uh, segue quickly into to different scenarios and, and, and different methodologies in terms of pitch and plan and those kind of things. So just uh, I love these machines because they don't they don't just throw it right down the middle. It's not just and there's a place for that. There's a place for shape. Sure. Let's see the left handed this roll it in there, right handed roll it in there, those kind of things. But we really love these machines because we feel like uh, we're going to get our, you know, our live arm cushy uh, 
Coach Ullman BP right down the middle or, oh, you wanted a little way. Okay, here you go. You know, those kind of things, sure. they're, they're going to get that on the field. But in this, in this cage, we want to stress them out. Uh, and we also want to encourage them to handle that well. You know, it's not – uh, woe is me and you know drag your blanket it's like let's let's compete against the ball let's mm -hmm. uh, understand that we're probably going to get the bat knocked out of our hands sometimes we're going to be early we're going to be late you know just those kind of things that show up um, when you've got eight different pitches programmed it's we're trying to get that simulation as close as possible to when they get out there versus that guy when the game counts that they're they're more ready for that sure no i, I love hearing that and i'd love if we could back up uh, and just if you could walk us through a few things uh, with that. So you talked about vision. How do you teach that to, let's say, let's say I'm a freshman coming in and we're yeah. going to go over it for the first time. Yeah. What does that, what does that sound like? Like, what are you, what does your progression look like? I guess. Sure. So it's, I don't think it's necessarily recreating the wheel. Um, but what we do is an early in the fall process is, is, you know, we're going to, we're going to break down our, our rhythms, uh, our dynamic balance, uh, where our, you know, our, our chin is through our belly button, uh, between the balls of our feet. And we're trying to land in that position as much as we can. And, um, you know, coach Stewart it's got some really, uh, awesome drills, uh, that we use in our, our T workups, uh, especially early in the process. And then really what we try to go to, um, because I think when you're com when you're competing as a young guy, oftentimes, especially when they're younger, they have a harder time with awareness, um, with knowing their swings. They think they're doing one thing, but they're doing something different. So trying to point those things out to them like, hey, face came out, face down. When you see it right, yes, good, good face angle. Like it's not it's not chin out. It's good angle and the eyes work from out to down. So, you know, those kind of things, we're trying to reinforce those things and, and praise them when they do those things. Well, even if, even if the result off the bat isn't great, if, if we're trying to really just uh, narrow focus on the vision part, we're really going to applaud them for the things that they do well that way. So, um, you know, one thing we, we like to use is uh, if you take the, the front two corners of the plate, whether you're right or left-handed, we have a cone, we put a ball, you know, a little small cone and put a little ball on the top mm -hmm. and we place it on the opposite side, front corner of the plate. And what we ask them to do is within their swing, they swing and make contact. And instead of following the flight of the ball, uh, which ultimately like just take it as golf, if you're in a par three and there's water in front of you, how many times uh, as a hack, do you take your swing and as you make contact, you look up to try to find the ball in the hole and it actually ends up in the water. So we're trying to help them help themselves. So putting that ball in that cone down there through at contact, through a little bit of contact and then through their finish, trying to find that ball out of the corner of their eye that's on the ground. So they're not just where'd that ball go? That was a homer. Where'd that ball go? Base it to right. You know, just those kind of things. So really just trying to focus and hammer those kind of things to try to help them reinforce it. So a, they, they know what the objective is and B, they know how that feels to be able to do that so that when you're making corrections with them, uh, you're not just saying something and they look at you like, huh? You know, like they've never heard that before. Try to be really consistent in our message that way. No, I like that a lot. And you also talked about, you know, developing an approach and I'd also like, maybe in a few minutes talk about different routines. It seems like everybody's got routines, but mm -hmm. helping them to develop one that works for them. And we're dealing with teenagers. And so a lot of the kids that I'll talk to about approach, it seems like that is, you know, that's something that is not as prevalent as it was maybe 10 years ago mm -hmm. uh, when, you know, before video and before the swing mechanics revolution. Yep. And that was all that I, I really got. Uh, and so, I, I'm more well-versed in that than I was uh, that these kids were, and they're way more into the swing than ever, than I ever was in the body. Yes. Uh, but I would love to hear, you know, how do you help? Because a, a lot of it, some of it for me is trial and error and trying to test out different things. Yep. But 
just understanding, hey, if if I don't know what pitches that I hit well early in counts, then I'm not going to be a good hitter. And that's that's really a lot of that is up to them. But I think they also crave our feedback on trying to help them through, hey, did you did you notice where that pitch was or where was that pitch? And and getting them to think about it more than just taking mindless reps. But long, long story long, I would love to hear how you help players with their approach, because I'm sure even from high school, these kids are being the best player on their team and they're getting you know curveballs and pitched yep. away consistently and now they're seeing 92 with sink and then slider away at, at 86 and it's not easy and yep. so how do you help them to continue to refine and develop their approach uh especially because we're in the preseason now yeah no absolutely and, and you know uh, positive reinforcement great praise great um i think kids get that and i, I also think they're smart enough to know when praise is false so i think it's um, really important for the praise to be directed in, in a, in a fashion that's, uh, usable for them. Um, and if you're unsure of whether there should be praise or, or nothing said, uh, I, I always go to like, what do you got on that? T tell me about that swing. Was it deep? Was it in front? Like, did you see it? What, you know, just stuff like they, they, you allow them to lead the direction you need to go so that you can help them. Cause I could, say one thing or feel one thing or know how I feel in my swing or my thoughts, but it could be totally foreign to the other guy. And so, um, you know, the players kind of teach you more about those kind of things than you actually, than I actually teach them, I feel like. So sure. yeah. like, you know, I'll say, here's, tell me how you feel about that. What part of your body are you using? Like, what are you focusing on to get to your, let's just call it the, to start on your turn. Like, what are you feeling in your turn? And I might see something, uh, you know, that might trigger that, but he might have a, a totally different thing where it just blows me away. So I try to get them to tell me so I can kind of help lead them that way. But I think mm -hmm. ultimately in like approach and those kind of things, we try to, we try to give them who they are. Uh, we always start with, uh, you know, kind of introductory things and, one thing that I've learned here that I really, really appreciate, uh, you know, everybody always talks like, know who you are as a hitter, like stay out of the sure. air, or, damn, you're really fast and put the ball on the ground. Like those are okay, great, pretty vague. Um, you know, you see homers on ESPN and baseball tonight and, um, you know, they're showing those kind of things. So you really, what we try to really do is, is group our guys uh, in a way that they have an understanding of what that really means. And, and, Jew is awesome. He uh, he's created these football positions that we put our baseball players in. So like running backs and hybrids and tight ends and wide receivers. Oh, nice. And each of those positions have a certain criteria, whether it's, you know, batting average, whether it's uh, on base percentage, uh, it's bunning, it's running, it's skilling, you know, those kind of things. There's certain criteria in each of those positions. Uh, positions and then we we fit those guys through the fall where we think that they belong uh, and then there's also a thing we have in ball flights everybody talks about launch angle and all those kind of things and yeah that's that's real and that's not going anywhere um, but what we use instead of like the degrees is um, is, is ball flights and so you start from one and you have ten so one's uh, at the bottom where a, a ball's hit so slow that uh, my 80 year old grandmother can field it in the 10 flight as a ball that's basically straight up to the catcher. So everywhere in between uh, two flights, a little bit higher, a little bit harder, three is a little bit higher, a little bit harder, four is a little bit that low line drive kind of at the bottom of the back of the infield, the fives through the head, six is just above the infield that lands in front of the outfielder. You see, so you get the point seven, eight, nine. And so, uh, you know, a guy that's a, a tight end, um, be probably not going to run as well. So when we're training him in his flights and praising him in his flights, we're trying to keep him probably off one flights and two flights and three flights and trying to keep him between maybe a four and a nine flight. And, you know, there's guys that hit a nine flight that, that are going to be homers, big, strong guys, those kind of things. And, and whereas a guy that can really run in a speedy, uh, if he gets jammed and rolls a swinging bunt to the third baseman, he got a chance to be safe, you know. So we try to cluster them in those uh, football position groups to kind of give them an identity, but 
not a vague identity. And, and it's it's taken off and the guys appreciate that. And you'll hear them banter back and forth about running back and tight end and hybrids. And I think somebody actually the other day is begging for like a wide back, the Debo Samuel kind of guy, you know, so there's kind of those things. So it's cool when they're when their brains kind of flip to those kind of things and they're they're invested in trying to maximize who they are as, as players within their skill sets and their bodies. Um, so that kind of helps in their approach and, and what they're looking for. And, you know, but we it's the, the vast majority of college pitching is going to be on the outer quadrant of the plate, you know, the fastball away and disarming his best velocity pitch, uh, you know, and being able to have a, a adaptability and adjustability in your swing when you're off. And, and that, you know, yes, going forward, because uh, going forward is part of the, you know, is part of hitting back to go forward. But at the point where you get, if you get fooled to be able to sink the belly button and stretch the hands forward and keep the head down and the, and the lead side on, you know, and, and, and keep your chest out over the plate, your margin for air grows. And so we just try to continuously uh, prepare them for that, those velocities, whether it's three plate, uh, it's short distance heater uh, and, and those kind of things. And, and um, I think approach is going to be dictated to at times by, you know, game situations, which we're, we're trying to replicate here in this cage all the time. And those are all individualistic uh, that we, that we go over with the guys uh, on a daily basis. It's never, it's a never ending thing. No doubt. And, you know, one of the things that before we dive into game planning, I want to talk about uh, just routines. It seems like, like I mentioned earlier, it seems like every, you know, every kid has these set things that, you know, get them right for a lack of more of a scientific sense or, 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 or phrase, but uh, they've got different things that they want to be able to do. How do you blend, you know, your, your foundational drills uh, that you do in the fall with the, with the spring, which you're going to spend less about the teaching aspect and more about the competing aspect. And how do you, how do you kind of balance that? Because, uh, you know, for me in my experience, if you do one thing for a certain period of time and they, they get bored with it, their brain turns off, they're not getting any better. They're just going through the motions yeah. versus complete randomization where they're in fight or flight almost. Uh, but how do you have, or, or even during the season when they, when they're not feeling right, how do you, how do you walk them through just some different things that, you know, that get them feeling back to whatever they felt before anything and everything that you've got on that. I would love to hear because I think that that's, it's a balance that, no matter what part of the season as a hitting coach, you've always got players that are struggling. And so trying to get them to, to which it's a never ending, but getting them to revert back to, okay, this is what, this is why I like X, Y, and Z. Yep. And just take it from there. If you don't mind, I feel like I'm rambling, but go ahead. No, no, it's, it's okay. I, I just, you had some really good ones in there. You had a uh, routine in there. Um, you had randomization, um, mm -hmm. which, I'm going to kick back to what we did yesterday and what we typically do in our training because of that, not getting them bored and keeping them fresh and keeping it fun. Um, and then you had, um, you know, kind of in season massaging maintenance, uh, you know, psychology, uh, which, you know, it's a game based on failure. We all know that, uh, you know, seven out of 10 times and, and you're an all American or you're making a lot of money. And so, the uh, failures inherent in the game and your ability to continue on uh, through that adversity and failure uh, and be able to uh, laugh, uh, sometimes uh, cry, <laughs> angry, um, but try to be able to keep those all in perspective, very challenging and very difficult, you know, and it's not just go out there and smash the ball, which Sometimes it is, and, 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 but there's other factors that go with that. But um, let me kind of start with the routine part. Sure. Um, incredibly invaluable. Uh, I, I, as a hitting coach, I try not to get in the way of everybody's individualization. Um, guys need different things. Um, but what I really, what we really try to stress with them is the thing that you control is what you do. Uh, you can't control the umpire talking to you, the crowd, the weather, uh, the distance of the field, um, how quick the pitcher's trying to pitch you, how slow he's taking to pitch you. Uh, he won't throw you a fastball uh, 
in these counts and he just keeps throwing you curveballs because you're a pinch hitter and he's going to feel sorry for you and just throw you a curveball like so or throw you a fastball because you're just coming off the bench he's trying to get you out you know and so being able to have something that you can go to that's yours that you can control and then have adaptability within that routine i think are really important um Pitchers like to work fast. Some do. Some work really slow. You know, those are the comfort level guys, the old uh, put your wool slippers on, the guy that takes 28 seconds in between pitches, and it's a real deliberate, methodical delivery. And those guys are there's those guys are comfortable. But when you got the guy out there that's got, you know, four pitches and he's coming right at you, you know, the guy that comes to mind, uh, a guy, Carson Fulmer, just it's asses oh, yeah, for sure. coming at you and it's competing and he's talking smack and which I love. Um, but you, you've got to be able to have something in there, not only your natural competitiveness, but you've got to be able to get yourself in position to have your routine done. So like, um, you know, if I had an on deck, I'll just use me for example. And this is what I do with yeah. the guys. I to give them some sort of baseline and then, Hey man, take this, use it. Don't take it, throw it away, whatever. Uh, back when you used to have two guys allowable on deck, um, when I would be in the hole, I'd, I'd have a certain set of things that I'd do getting my body ready. And I would do the same count every single time. So for instance, I had two bats and I'd take it here. And I'd, I, every time I got to the top, it would be one, two, three, four, five. And then I'd switch hands one, two, you know, five, five. And then I'd go over the top and I'd have five. And then I'd take my swings. I'd take five practice swings with the heavy bat. And then I would go to timing the pitcher on deck uh, and it would be trigger to swing when I saw elevation up and trigger to take when I saw elevation down because I couldn't see in and out from the side, but I could see up and down. So I would go through this routine religiously and it got me ready. I, I, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was good for me. It worked for me. But what happens when you're leading off the inning? What happens when the guy goes, goes up there and you're on deck or, you're, you know, in this case, nowadays, there's no th there's not two guys on deck. But now you go up there and, and you just ran in from center field and you got your helmet on and you barely got time to get to the on deck circle. And the guy before you goes up and makes first pitch first out. and You haven't done anything of your routine. Nothing. So that tends to sometimes put guys uh into a state where like it's now it's really going fast. The game's moving fast because they haven't been settled. They haven't got to look at them like, what does the shape look like? Like nothing. They don't have anything. So they're naked to the gods. And, and so that creates uh, a recipe for um, disaster or, you know, lack of success. You know, your, your, your opportunity to succeed goes down when the game's racing on you. And so to understand the importance of that. And if that's something that affects you, like then you better sprint from center field, get your helmet. Don't worry about high-fiving your teammates and grabbing a, a bubble gum or a, a, a power bar. Like get your ass to the bat rack, get your helmet, get your bat, get your gloves, get whatever else it is you have and get to that on deck circle as fast as you can. So you can get your routine done so that if the guy does go up there and make first pitch first out, You've done everything. So you're ready to go. The game now slows down. Your routine's over. You're good to go. Now, I always went to a hybrid routine. Guy that's working fast. Guy that's in a slide step. Uh, you know, I had my thing, just going to slide step, I, I had my thing where I'd get in the box and I'd, you know, I'd go in, middle, away. <sighs> Big breath. You know, just things that I did. Well, if a guy's working fast and he's on, he's got slide step and he's not methodical, like I don't have time for all of those. So maybe I get one. It's the away part with my breath and now I'm ready. So I always mm -hmm. had something to go to if that guy was rushing me, which ultimately put the power in my hands. I wasn't giving it to the guy on the mound I'm trying to kill, if that makes sense. You know, so I was in control of me. It didn't matter weather. It didn't matter fan. It didn't, the pitcher could do, you, bro, do whatever you want. You can go as fast as you want. I'm ready to hit, you know, you can't get me, you know? So that just gave me the mental, I, I felt like gave me a mental edge. So those kinds of things I try to give to our guys to help them like, Hey man, create a routine, create a hybrid routine, uh, start big moves, big moves. As the pitcher starts to get into getting the signs and starting to get into the rubber. Now it's more medium moves. And now as he starts to come into the set position, now it's smaller moves. So I'm ready to react if he slide steps or if he goes leg left, you know, all those things I have adaptability to be able to combat what he's trying to do to me, which is uh, 
disrupting timing of a hitter. That's the name of the game. And so those routines no are critical and they all work different for different people. Sure. Uh, randomization, keeping them fresh, not bored. Kind of like I'm boring you guys, so to speak. No, get out of here. <laughs> we try to, you know, we try to keep it fun. Uh, you know, uh, base running, for instance, you know, kind of the traditional way to teach base running is get four bases out there. Four groups of four. Okay, here we go. Fake steal, fake steal, fake steal. Um, one thing I really, uh, you know, there's a place for that. When you're setting the baseline and you're teaching and you're just getting the stuff in, uh, those things are really important because you want to isolate and compartmentalize the teaching aspect. So again, you're getting in the terminology, you're getting in the timing, what it looks like. Yes, that's good. No, that's not good. That's not what it looks like. Better. Here we go. Good job. All those things matter. But as you kind of move through where guys are starting to get comfortable and understanding what's being asked of them, uh, we like to kind of transition into uh, we'll go, th maybe it's three bases, uh, but we'll angle them out, you know, from, from the regular first base and we'll kind of angle them out, uh, kind of moving towards center, but each, each base will then become like a one and move. And so let's say for instance, we're doing a, you know, a base running, um, uh, deal where we're, we're working at first and second and third, but maybe all the bases are actually first base, but they all have different objectives. So the base from the back is we're working at regular foot strikes. So it's see the pitcher's foot land, get your secondary, hard back, square up, eyes to the catcher, no back picks. Then they move up to the middle base. So you're working from back to front. Now we work from the middle base and now it's um, steel jumps, uh, must steal. So we're looking, boom, we go two hard steps, good peel eyes in follow fly to ball now they come back and they peel back to the front base and now they transition in like a hit and run so they hit and run hitter at homes he's wand controlling we're running we're transitioning to second so each base from back to front re represents something different which just kind of it keeps them moving it keeps them fresh and what it really does is it it changes it's not just the uh you know the amoeba where it's I have to think about, okay, this technique. Okay, now I'm moving to this one. Now this is what's required of me. This is what's required of me. And I got to move. Now I get out there and I'm doing something different and something different and something different, which happens in baseball. You, you, as a hitter, you go in there, oh, oh, looking for a pitch, runner at first base. Ball in the dirt, guy gets to second. Game plan changes. Pitches might change and probably will with an open base. Bach, guy moves to third, infield comes in. So like within three pitches, I've gone from – from one game plan to, I mean, it's similar. you're still getting a pitch you can hit and you can drive, but the, the objectives have changed in three pitches. So for us to be able to change the rhythm and rhyme of what they're doing within that training structure is just kind of prepping their brains for when they get in the game and they got to stick and move and, and be able to be quick recovery athletes and adapt and adjust to things that happen during the game. And then kind of the third piece I think you asked me about uh, was kind of in season massaging psychology, all those kind of things. And, sure. mm -hmm. um, you know, I, for me that the game is the game. I, I try to stay as much out of the way as possible, meaning like not trying to coach them up with necessarily their swing. Um, but really trying to give them an idea, Hey, this is think about like, I, I, I last year I, I worked from the dugout called the offense from the dugout. And, and I had coached third base, you know, 24 years I've been coaching. I, I was never in the dugout. I've always coached third base. And so I came into the, the dugout to run the offense. And the thing that I really appreciated was my ability to be able to prep our guys for what might be coming, what we might be doing, what the game situations might end up doing by the time they work themselves into the box versus, you know, hey, these guys are in the pen. You might get this lefty. Just start, you know, just start thinking moves ahead not playing checkers but playing chess and um, I really appreciated that you know giving them signs before they even got in the box you know hey we're gonna do this and I'm you know this is what we're doing you know and so when you get out there uh, be ready for this or hey do you like bunt do you like uh, late bunt over early show like what do you like trying to just put them in the best position to be successful so I that that would be the most I try to get in their way uh, you know, certainly they got questions like, hey, what'd you see there? I, I, we, we share information. What what were you feeling? What did you see? Here's what I saw. So those those things happen. But they're in they're in brief spurts because you're as a coach, your brain's a lot of different places. Um, and so you, you 
you just kind of compartmentalize and you try to make quick, uh, fast moving adjustments. And then, you know, being available to them before the game, during BP, after BP, uh, those things are those things are important because it just allows them an opportunity to get with you one on one. And whether you say anything or not, just be there. Whether it's flips or throwing to them or feed them a team, really important. And so, being confident. Uh, if you're not confident as a hitter or don't believe what you're doing, you're going to have a hard time. Your 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 slope's going to be pretty slippery. And so, I really just try to foster their confidence, not in a false way, but just reinforcing the things that they're doing well and not necessarily ignoring the things that aren't going right. But it's like the guy, it's like the guy that gets in there and he's smashing line drives and he's not, he's, he's just hitting it's line drive. Yeah. Good, good, good. And then he takes a bad swing and you get the, Oh God. And he's, you know, he gets out mm-hmm. of the box. That's the oh, ball. Yeah. And so my encouragement to them is like, bro, you just, you just hit six, seven flights with great backspin and you didn't say a word like it was all good. And then you take one out of seven swings that mm-hmm. you like and the world's ending. Like, so my thing to them is like, would you take six, six hits out of seven at bats? They say, yeah, I said, you just had six hits out of seven at bats. So you could take that for what it's worth. So just trying to shift their brains from a negative to a positive and just trying to rearrange their thoughts. So yeah, they do have a high standard and they do have high demands in themselves. And you want that because it's not like, hey, I struck out. Hey, yippee, let me, you know, let me feel real good about that. I tried. I gave it the old college try. That's that's I right. rock. You know, sure. we want guys to be angry and, and competitive and have a high standard. But at the same time, there becomes a, a law of diminishing returns where you're unrealistic about what really happened and you're beating yourself up to the point where like, bro, forgive yourself. Like, let's move on, man. Like we can, let's evaluate this later, but we just, we got to be quick recovery and we got to stay on the good because you're going to have a whole lot of bad and you just need one pitch to beat that pitcher. He needs three. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So good. So, you know, one of the things that you hit on was you are in the dugout and I love, I love being in the dugout to talk with those guys about those different situations and you know for those coaches who are you know who have that opportunity to be able to do that what are some different things that you well let me let me rewind because you talked about some of them of hey watch for this situation this situation may come up here and i'm sure those guys appreciate you because they're they may be surprised but less likely to be with with you in their ear but what about the guy that uh that is coming up that may have had a bat at bat last AB. Uh, sometimes you just kind of let them ride with it, but sometimes, you know, you've got to, you've got to step out and ask the question, Hey, like, what do you got? What do you see? What are you feeling? Uh, are there any, are there any good questions to get them to just kind of open up about their thought process? A, a friend and I were talking about that the other day. And those are the three that I, that I usually use, but I didn't, didn't know if you had any that you really liked just, just questions to get them to, to open up about their thought process after a bad AB. Yeah, I, I just I think those kind of questions just they provoke conversation. You know, it's um, the worst thing that can happen is that the guy goes in a shell. Um, you know, it allows them the opportunity to, you know, maybe you think they're being hard on themselves or maybe you think they're carrying baggage and they're being quiet. And all of a sudden you ask them this question and they give you a hell of an answer and you're like, OK, you're good, because I don't know how many times in my coaching career I've thought something about what a player was thinking. Uh, and that came out in a negative way, post at bat or post fielding or post pitch or something to where uh, ultimately I put myself in a bad situation where the player then may lose faith, trust, love, the things that matter hmm. because he's sitting there thinking to himself like, dude, I, I was good. Like I was thinking about this. I was in the right spot. My brain, I, I was realistic about my failure, but you just pounded me on that. And, mm. and yeah, I think there. it gives them the opportunity to shock you that like, damn, he did get past this. He is, he is focused. He does have a good plan. He is watching the game and, and they surprise you with those kind of things. So I think those, I think those leading questions uh, give them an opportunity to do that are, are good. And, and I think as human beings, I, I think baseball players, uh, which most coaches are baseball players, uh, because it's such a social game. Uh, 
uh, we, I think for the most part, we've got pretty good feel for people. And I think when you ask those questions and you get a non-response or a response that the body language is just screaming like, man, I need a hug or like put your arm around me or, you know, say something that's going to, not that I'm going to, you know, not everything's, you know, you're going to have, it's not always going to be feel good, but like sometimes that dude just needs like put my, put my arm around his shoulder and be like, all that hard work you do, man, you're a, you're a dude, you're a real guy, man. You're 0 for three, but this is the bat you're going to win the game. I mean, how many times you told a guy after two at bats, like, Hey man, it's going to come back around to you in the ninth. You're going to win this game for us. And it happens, you know? And so I think as a player, I speak for myself, like there are times you don't believe in yourself, but the guy that you work with every day is believing in you. That's powerful because somebody's still there no matter how crappy you're doing or how bad you feel, that person still believes in you no and doubt. you know the type of quality work and you know the relationship's real and those things get you over the hump when you're not believing. So I think sure. that's where our biggest power comes from is the relationship with the player and the the, the work that you put in that, that, that they believe in you. You know, and there's, there's times in, in careers and places I've been in, years I've been in where uh, that hasn't been the best version of me and I haven't done a good enough job um, and, and I wish I could go back and do, you know, do better and, and those kinds of things, but, but you can't. And so you try to learn from them, just like the players are trying to learn from them. And, and you try to use those experiences to continue to pay it forward with the guys that you have. I love hearing that. And I think if you're a coach listening and you haven't been there, then just wait, <laughs> it's coming, but uh, game has a way of humbling us. Right. Yeah. So the, the, the next thing that I want to get into is, you know, at division one schools, and I think most colleges now uh, with synergy, you guys are able to get a ton of stuff on other teams and other pitchers. So I would love with what you can, can you walk us through just if you're planning, if you're game planning for a series in the weekend, what does that look like for you guys? Because I know at the high school level, there's some different things that we can pick out. And with you guys and with the pro level, there's an infinite amount of things that you can yeah. pick out. But what have you found to be the most helpful and useful for the players that you have? Um, really good question. The thing I love about it is, you know, when we played there, well, I speak for myself, I'm a dinosaur, but there was no video. Um, so, we went into games blind, like, what does the guy look like? What does the shape look like? Those things are now eliminated. And, and I think one of the, the things that, that I like is my ability off of Synergy to be able to bring in my computer and, and hook it up to our big screen TV that's in here and just be able to roll through the loop of the starting pitchers uh, during the week. Those, those things are valuable. It provides opportunities for the guys to see that rhythm and see those shapes and just kind of smell it and see it. Um, and then it allows me, with these awesome machines behind me, to be able to program them in a way that's as close to those shapes as possible. And, you know, and, and I, if a guy's heavy uh, off speed and, you know, of those eight pitches, maybe five of those are off speed pitches and, uh, you know, five are breaking balls, one's a change up and um, two are fastballs, you know, so they're, I'm trying to get them simulated for what they're going to see for that, that different day. And then the other, the other ability uh, that is really cool is, is to see their bullpen. You know, I always start with, with the starting pitching when I'm doing my reports off synergy, I'll go to the starting pitching. I'll go to the top guys out of the pen. And those are the, those are the arms I really focus on the most and then get the other arms as, as I go through my prepping and planning phase for the guys, but I want to get the, the information that they're going to see the most of as early and as early as I can so that they have that and are more prepared uh, or as prepared as they can be uh, moving into that Friday, um, just kind of how I go about it. And so I'm getting everything from, um, you know, leg times at first with the runner at first, leg time runners at second, I'm watching what they do in first and thirds. I'm watching, you know, does the pitcher field the bunts and throw everything away? Can we bunt on that guy? Uh, do they have a safety protection? What counts they're picking in? Uh, how many times they pick in a row? 
a million that there's so many things that you can get off that, uh, that when, when synergy first came out, I felt like it was cheating because, um, you know, you can, you can take the, the three second, uh, clips and make them 10 seconds. So you could go into the catcher's deal and start getting signs and taps and, uh, guys have made a living doing that. Um, so, and there's been some adjustments from synergy and so forth, just in camera angles, coaches have picked up on that. And now they won't let their camera guys zoom in that early. And so there was a lot of those cat and mouse things that went on early, but there's things you can't hide. You know, you can't hide, uh, the shapes, you can't hide the percentages of when they're throwing pitches and counts and getting a feel for how the pitching coach calls the game, uh, what they're doing when they're, uh, when they're winning games versus when they're behind, you know, sure. uh, just just things that that matter in a game to be able to try to help your team be in the best position to win games just on on little things that uh, synergy will be able to provide you know uh, times cool. to the first you know do they do they pitch out pick the third with a left-handed pitcher does the left-handed pitcher have a fake step off the first turn to third and throw you know just just things like what do they do mm-hmm. you know the, to me those are the that's the really real value and it's really kind of turned it into a major league baseball thing where there's there are no secrets every you know i think everybody has it now and for good reason it's it's a great resource no doubt no doubt well i've got a couple of questions before you go and these are just more of you know opinion based what you're learning what you're going through and uh quick hitters uh since you're a hitting coach uh, I'll, i'll say rapid fire for the pitching coaches but quick hitters for you uh, but the first one is what is something that you have learned lately or something that's caught your interest lately that you're really excited to learn more about? Ooh, uh, I know you gave me these list of questions and shame on me for not, but I'm going to get a breath and I'm going to use my routine. There you um, go. I really don't know. I don't really have a really great answer. Um, that's the time of year we're in right now, right? Focusing on the dudes. It, it, it is. Um, you know, I'm not, I would love to just go to the default and say like technology, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a dinosaur too. It's, you know, it's ball meat bad. It's compete against the ball and, and, and those kind of things. But that stuff matters. Uh, you know, I just, I think just being able to, I really enjoy going to the ABCA kind of uh, video uh, archives. I don't really go to it. Um, for personal reasons, as you know, that time of the years, I don't see my family a lot. And so, uh, I don't, I try to use that time for my family, but I do like to go on and, you know, listen to, listen to people talk about, you know, I love the, you know, the coach that wins the national championship and, uh, you listen just to his story and the team story and pick up on things there. And then just to be able to, um, you know, hear other guys philosophy on infield play, uh, hitting how they're how they're adapting uh their technology uh into into their hitting but still at the end of the day i, I always i feel i don't try to use things that I, I don't really know a whole lot about right away just because i don't you don't want to go into a situation and teach something that you're you're teaching erroneously or you don't have a great grasp for because the buy-in's not going to be there because sure. if I'm not versed on it and I'm not knowing in those kind of things, I'm going to have a hard time being able to sell that to the players is why it's really important. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think just being, a, being able to talk to different coaches and be able to listen and just like affirmation of like, okay, I do those things or I say these things or man, I, I say this, but it's a different way. And, and so mm-hmm. just kind of that confirmation of that, yeah, man, we're in this for the right reasons and, and we're doing a lot of the same things uh, to try to be successful, uh, I think are, you know, are, are really important just in terms of, you know, every year you go by, it's easy to just go, well, we're going to do the same thing over and over because we've always done it that way. So I think at, in, a, in a vague kind of answer, just trying to continue to evolve um, just how you go about your training uh, and how you go about dealing with players because those things are ever changing um, and they have in my 25 years. Things you did, you know, 20 years ago, you can't even sniff doing today. So um, adapt. So I love it. So that that would almost be the answer to the next question, which is what is something that you used to believe that you've changed your mind about? And that could be 
whether the psychology behind it, practice design drills that you used to believe in, just anything and everything of you have, you used to do something, but you pivoted because, you know, you, you either realized it didn't work or it didn't work for a certain group or, you know, whatever that could be. Yep. Um, I think the game is the game. Um, it's still 60 feet, six inches. It's still 90 feet. Like though the, the, the way the game is played just in terms of the end result are the same. I think the, the thing that, that I'm, that has changed that I'm, I'm glad has changed. It's just the things I've learned is, you know, the, the method of discipline, um, the method of how respect is earned. Um, those, those things have changed just cause you're just cause your title as coach doesn't mean that you're automatically going to get respect. Um, yelling, uh, is one tool in the tool belt, not one to be gone to as a consistent hammer. Um, you know, I, I think these young guys today, um, they want to be loved. Uh, they want to, they want to feel good and that's good. Um, they don't want the stress sometimes, uh, sometimes that stress, um, stresses them out. So they do need that old school, like, come on, man, push, push, push. And sometimes it's uncomfortable and that's okay. Cause the inmates don't run the asylum. Someone's got to be the boss. Um, but I think especially here with, uh, coach Jewett, the, the thing that I've, I've really learned is, um, just cause a player calls you coach doesn't mean he respects you. Uh, mm, you know, I showed up here and guys are wearing hat, you know, guy wearing his hat backwards or guys have their shirts off or guys are calling you by your first name, which when I grew up was, that was a pro thing. It wasn't a college thing. You, you called your coach coach. And when you got to pro ball, the pro pro ball guys ridiculed you and said, don't call me coach. You can call me by mm -hmm. my first name. And so that kind of environment I wasn't used to. Uh, and when I got here, I think the thing that I really appreciated was that these guys call you your nickname or your, your name, but they don't love you any less or respect you any less. I think it's how you treat them. It's, it's your consistency, their trust level with you. Are you going to be there for them? And I think once all those things are checked off for them, mm -hmm. I think then you can get after them. You really can, you know, it's, it's show me you care, um, not show me how much, you know, and I think early on and back in the day, you did things because the coach said it and he was the coach, you know, and if we're going to go out and run a hundred miles because he's pissed, that's what we were going to do. And we didn't like sure. it, but we're going to have to do it. And I, and I think that part of where the game has gone, I, I think is a positive um, where it can, where it will, where it will and can take a turn uh, for the worse is when you fail as a, an adult and a coach to draw the line and say, okay, it's no longer, it's not a game anymore. There's accountability here. There has to be a way there has to be, there has to be a no, you know what I mean? So the inmates can't run the asylum. So I just, I think the biggest change has been how you deal with players. Uh, kids are still kids. Uh, I think if you asked our parents and the grandparents before them, uh, they would say the exact same things that we say, or not we necessarily, but it's just that time-honored tradition of kids these days, kids these days, kids these days, kids these days. It's just, it's what it is. And, and so uh, I, I do think it's good for the game that it's forced a lot of the old coaches to have to reevaluate the method with which they do things. And, and I think that is important and it's where we are. So if you want to keep coaching, you gotta, you gotta adapt uh, and adjust or you're, you can you can be replaced or you'll have to get out of the game and do something different no doubt well i love hearing that and i love you know the the growth that you've that you've brought to the table today a guy with 25 years experience i mean it's, it's yep. and keep 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 putting them in Thanks. and so it, it's it's always good to 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 get to speak with guys like you who, who are seasoned and uh, are, are continuing to learn in the process just like we all should be but jay i, I appreciate your time and i've loved getting to learn from you today and I will link your contact info in the show notes. But I do want to give you the opportunity to, you know, leave our guests with something or anything or nothing. So I'm going to mute myself. But is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Uh, no, I just I think. Be true to yourself, um, you know, 
Uh, everybody's different. Don't try to coach like somebody else. Take bits and pieces of, of the people that you've been with, the good, uh, and, and try to implement those within your strategies. Uh, take the bad and, or the things maybe that not necessarily the bad, but the things that you wouldn't do uh, and, and take those with you, too, because uh, if you're in an environment that's uh, maybe it, you feel it's not healthy or it's not good, uh, I think the natural thing and we all get caught up in it. And I, I'm, you know, I'm no different, but the negativity part of that can can really eat you away. And so to be able to step back and and try to understand, like, this is the path that I'm headed in. There's a reason this is going on, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, and then and just use all those experiences to be able to help somebody else within your profession and our profession uh, when they're struggling. You know, remember what it was like to be a player, help the player. Remember what it was like to be a, a grad assistant, help him. Remember what it's like to be a volunteer when you're, you're scraping and clawing and uh, barely making ends meet and doing camps and lessons to survive. And man, I wish I was being a recruiting coordinator. I'd love to work at this school and, um, you know, help them through that and uh, help that young guy that wants to try to be a recruiting coordinator be like, look, you know, it's timing. It's um, it's not always on your watch. You just got to keep plugging away and keep learning and keep earning that and and getting lucky. Uh, it's the game is timing, big timing. Uh, and again, I'll say it, it's not always on your watch. Things don't happen when you want them to. And you know, hell, I, I want to be a head coach. Um, and I, I started out as a head coach at a JUCO uh, and haven't sniffed that again in uh, 23 years. So it's um, it's not always on my watch. If, if somebody out there someday is going to give me an opportunity uh, to be able to be uh, the steward for a program, I, I would I would be uh, thrilled about that. But I, I work with uh, four of the best people I could ask to, to work with. And I've been fortunate enough to do that a long time uh, with a lot of other different people in different programs as well. And um, just keep plugging along. It's not about the logo. It's not about your league. Uh, it's not about your title. Uh, we'd like it to be about our pay, but it's not, not always about the pay either. Um, if, you're really, uh, if you're really digging in and having a hard time with it, you try to get back to the basis of why you're doing this. And for me, uh, for me, it was to give back to a game that gave a lot to me and, and try to help these kids and um, I didn't want to sit behind a desk with a suit and tie either. So, you know, no doubt. just be yourself. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review wherever you are listening. I also wanted to remind you that you can find the video portion at the AOTC channel on stickandball.tv. Have a great week.